Out of sight, out of mind. When you're in the driver's seat, put your phone where you can't get it. A place where you won't even be tempted to look at it. No phone, no texting. Visit stoptextstoprex.org. Valley Free Radio is funded in part by Moonlit Sea Prints in the East Works Building in East Hampton, curating Japanese woodblock prints that touch the soul and imagination from the Ukiyo-e and Shinhanga periods until today. Find them at moonlitseaprints.com or on Instagram at Moonlit Sea Prints. Valley Free Radio thanks Moonlit Sea Prints for their support. The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Oh, wait a minute. We already heard that. Uh, you're listening to out there. Let me turn up the volume on my voice. You're listening to Out There on Valley Fee Radio. I'm Ruthie Woodring. It is Friday, August 11th, 2023 for today's show. I have some of this and some of that, but I have a feature interview with Mayor Gina Louise Sarah. Sarah? <laughs> I should know how to say her name properly by now. And Carolyn Mish of the Planning Department talking about... Um, Northampton being a bike-friendly city, relatively. And that was actually an interview that Nick Richard from Bike Talk asked me to do. But first, I have this little clip. It's Friday, August 11th, 2023. I'm doing my pedal people route. Picking up here on Ford Crossing, and I've run into... Jamie Elkin. Um, picking up their trash, and... Jamie was in the garage, the garage door open with tables of scissors and I, I don't know what all of y'all had here, Jamie. and markers and cut out things. I'm making a project of um, rebuilding a subway car from the 1930s out of cardboard and fiberboard, about 1 20th scale, and I'm going to populate it with my favorite art artistic influences over the last... People have lived over the last century. Like who? Oh, let's see. There's John Lennon and George Borges and Alfred E. Newman and Bob Dylan and R. Crumb and Ram Dass and Picasso, Allen Ginsberg, and of course, Jerry Garcia, Norman Rockwell, and Django Reinhardt. Oh, that's a lot of men. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that there are no women. That was the first thing my wife pulled out, that uh -huh. why aren't there any women? She's like, what about Joni Mitchell? Uh, yeah, I love, there's a lot of women artists that I love, but these guys have made me the artist that I am, uh -huh. so that's why they're all here. Yeah, I wonder but if it's, it's part of it. it's really interesting yeah. to me that there's no women touchstone artists in my life. Uh -huh. So like, I wonder if, like, as a man, they speak to you being men. Could be. But also, like, if it was a woman doing this piece... Would she have some male artists? I bet she would right. have some male totally. artists. <laughs> I'm sure if my wife was doing it, I'm sure she'd have half women and half men. Yeah, it's yeah. like you have to search it out, though, for the women yeah. sometimes. It feels yeah. like if you're not already right. you know, yeah. keen on that. Um, so 
So when I look at the garage, it says Jenny's Music yes, Garage, so a sign hanging down? This is what this is all about. My wife in retirement has become her singer-songwriter, and she started going to open mics all around, everywhere, all over, every place we travel and a lot here in the valley. And she decided that, well, maybe we should have an open mic here. So it started during the pandemic when the only thing we could do was outside. So everybody would sit six feet apart and whatever and wear masks and we wouldn't serve any food. And uh, it's evolved into a curated music space that my wife, in the course of going around and doing her open mics, if she sees or hears somebody that she thinks is really special, she'll invite them to one of our curated music nights. And we try to have one person from the community each time, but it's basically people from all over the valley, and actually as far as Albany and whatnot. We had somebody from Chicago the other day that we met. Um, so it's a really good music scene, and yeah, it lasts about an hour and a half, two hours, about 50, 60 people show up, they bring their own chairs, and it's just this lovely, free music space that we've created that we're very, very proud of and very happy with. Just right here in your garage and driveway. Just right outside of the garage. <laughs> And everybody's happy, and we try to get as many people from the neighborhood as possible to come, and it's, it's, a, it's a sweet scene. People so are happy at the end of the night. When and where is the next one? Uh, Thursday the 17th. It starts at 6, and it's at 11 Ford Crossing in the back. And if people want to find out more, is like an online presence oh, at all? Oh, boy, that's a good question. You could probably go to GinnyElkinMusic.com, G-I-N-N-Y-E-L-K-I-N Music.com. I hope you show up. Thank you. Bring a friend and a chair. And uh, mosquito swatter? Mosquito swatter and <laughs> hats. <laughs> Have you seen any, I don't know if there's any YouTube or TikTok videos trending now called the mosquito dance? I haven't, I haven't seen surely that. someone's done that. <laughs> it's I, Friday, August 11th, 2020. Um, uh, where was I? Uh, I did not get a chance to look up. The, some mosquito songs before this show, but I'm sure there's some out there. I may look some up by the end of the show. And thanks, Jamie, for sharing about that. I would have interviewed Jenny, but I did not see her when I pulled up to empty the trash. So Jamie was the one that got the interview. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Next, my next clip. What is my next clip? This is Jen Robert talking about rail trail plans to Southampton. So it's Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. I'm on my way to Cancer for Cancer at Valley Recycling. And as I was cutting down towards South Street, South Street, Route 10, whatever it is by Valley, I ran into a woman with a dog who asked to take my picture. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Jen, can you just introduce yourself briefly and what sure. you're doing out here this morning? I am Jen Roberge, founding member of the Southampton Greenway friends of the Southampton Greenway, and we are trying to build community and get the stretch between East Hampton, Coleman Road, and all the way down to Westfield, um, made into a fabulous greenway. So that we'll, we are the last spot, last section of the last four miles that is not being developed between Northampton and New Haven, Connecticut. So we have finally purchased the land, and now we are working on getting the construction of the greenway done between East Hampton and Sheldon's Ice Cream in Southampton on Route 10. Uh -huh. How far of a stretch is that? Um, it's about uh, three, uh, over three miles, probably three and a half miles, I would say. Wow, so you all have bought 
the whole we've the, the whole, whole missing section link. right we bought the whole missing link we are not going to develop the brickyard road section because there's too many homes there right now but um but we will do the section from east hampton to route 10 sheldon's ice cream which is wow. really exciting how long have you been working on this i have been working on this since i was pregnant with my daughter and she's going to be 18 in august so it's wow. been a very long time craig Del i have to give huge shout out to craig della penna who uh, has been instrumental in helping us get to this point. And he told me that I'd be lucky if my child would be mm -hmm. able to ride on this trail before she graduated high school when I was pregnant with her. Wow. And I thought, what a pessimist. <laughs> but in reality, Craig was absolutely right. So. Yeah. yeah. And he's kind of an optimist. Imagine it's going to happen at all. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. so, much, so much work. Like, yeah. what are some of the, I mean, how does this, happen what are the different things some of the different things you've done along the way um we we did we used to have a series of talks that was at our library and um people from all over the region that were instrumental in doing their greenway had come down um to teach us what to do so that was very helpful and we had a lot of community outreach we did um bike fairs and you know help kids learn the, the signals and you know learn how to put your helmet on properly that sort of thing um, and we had some fundraisers. We had a fun fundraiser at Opa Opa years ago and raised quite a bit of money to help. Um, and I'm actually the treasurer, so I've got that little kitty of money still there to do extracurricular things for the Greenway once it's developed, like putting in benches and water signs, maybe bike pumps, you know, things like that. And, um, and then the, we formed us a committee, a Southampton committee, an official committee, to purchase the property from the Pioneer valley um railroad uh and that uh, finally happened in december of 2022 so huh. it's very exciting so that whole three and a half mile stretch was still owned by the the railroad yeah four four it's actually 4.2 miles actually was still owned by the railroad huh. and the original owner of the railroad an older gentleman who was lovely and really wanted it to become a trail uh in the midst of our negotiating with him he passed and then we ended up having the re kind of do everything with his son and the rest of the committee who were not quite as enthusiastic about changing it. So it took a little bit more and they wanted more money and that sort of thing. So it definitely took a lot of, it also took a lot of state representatives to help out too and cheer us on. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of people doing a lot of unseen work. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing. Um, and so we're super excited. So we have a website coming up friends of Southampton Greenway website and I'm out here today just trying to take some photos of people enjoying the the trail um, that's actually been here in Northampton for a long time Northampton East Hampton and unfortunately us in Southampton we have to put our bikes on the back of our cars and drive up here to take our bikes off our car to start riding versus just getting on the trail in, in Southampton so yeah. we're looking forward to that day when we can do that uh, well, I'm probably uh, interrupting your photography opportunities during rush hour. Oh, no, this is great. Can I ask you one more question? Though? Sure. So, yeah. the, like, where does the money come from? How much does this cost and where does the money come from? Um, that's an excellent question. We've had some money uh, come from our uh, community preservation funds. Like, we just passed a last month town meeting, $65,000 to continue the project. And that's, um, like, triple matched or something like that. I might have my numbers off a little bit, but it's, it's matched um, with money from the state. And then apparently uh, the federal government will actually do like a, a huge portion of the money, if not all, to actually build the Greenway once it's um, 
once it's been figured out. And we're going to have uh, some meetings for community involvement of how, what people want to see on their trail, how they want to have it done, and those will be coming up in the fall, fall of 2023. Can you say again how people can find out more information? The best way to find out information right now is to contact myself, Jen Roberge, uh, and my email is jennncarl99 at gmail.com, J-E-N-A-N-D-C-A-R-L 99 at gmail.com. Thanks so much for your work, Jen. I'm sure you have um, another, you know, a full life on top of what you're doing here. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> but it's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm really thrilled that the uh, Southampton Greenway Committee put so much time and effort to get it to where we are now. And now the Friends Group is really just trying to do community outreach and get everyone, not only Southampton residents, but East Hampton, North Hampton, all the residents around here to be excited and, and to join the cause. Can't wait to ride from Northampton to New Haven in one path. Thanks, Jen. So that rail trail extension, that's a connector, connecting piece, missing link connecting piece of the Northampton New Haven Canal Greenway that's on the old um, the old canal. Used to be a canal, well, once upon a time, for a brief period in the 1830s or 40s, it was a canal from Northampton to New Haven. Then it was a railroad owned by the Pioneer Valley Railway, I believe. And now becoming more and more of a rail trail. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. And before I get to the interview with the mayor and head of planning, do I want to play a song? Yeah, because um, that was a lot of fast talking. So let's hear from the Pointer Sisters.
right now for the interview with GL and Carolyn Mish. This interview was done on, when was it done? Tuesday? Three days ago. That was the something of August. That would have been the 8th of August, I believe. Yes. I am Gina Louise Shara. I am the mayor of Northampton. And I'm Carolyn Mish. I'm the director of planning sustainability for the city of Northampton. So thank you both so much for making time today to talk about biking and biking in Northampton, bike-related, bike-ped-related issues. Um, for me, I've been here since 2002. I lived in Chicago before that and Eastern Kentucky before that. And this is the most bike-friendly place I've ever lived. How did we get to where we are now? Can you all talk a little bit about that? Well, first, can I say I, I love that you feel that way. And <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like you deserve some credit for that as well because you've been someone who has been kind of a pioneer and, and pushed um, push the city for years to be more bike and ped friendly and so thank you to you and to the pedal people and for all that you've done to kind of help us build this infrastructure in the city. And you exemplify ways that we can use bikes um, for more than just recreation or commuting so I think that's a really good um, image to set forth and of course I think it's a great Thing. when people come to Northampton they say oh my gosh you have this um, collection service that's on bicycles and that's really unique and and sort of perpetuates that yeah. sort of image I think of Northampton of being bike friendly and support bike supporting mm -hmm. um, do you want to go into the history <laughs> sure <laughs> you know um, sometimes it's hard to look back and think about all the little pieces that might come to play and but I think it has to do partially with where we are in Massachusetts um, and if you go you know way back almost I think maybe 40 years now the conversion of the Mass Central Rail Trail what we now refer to as the Mass Central Rail Trail um, was a you know first segment of conversion of um, you know from rails to trails so that has sort of been the spine um, of our system and it's now showing its age and we have to think about I mean aging very well for having being that old but um, I guess you know the players that were in place at that point to see that vision and push that forward I think set the tone essentially for what was important or or exhibited the tone of what people felt was important to um, sort of create here. So I feel like that has um, sort of been the foundational inspiration maybe for continuing that sort of um, infrastructure improvement to encourage and allow people to um, be able to use the, um, our networks um, and get out onto bikes more. And then I think over time, sort of thinking about how do we expand upon that? How do we connect to that existing, you know, original spine? And, and where do people want to go? And, um, but I think there's also been a, a sea change in um, all the support systems that help fund this infrastructure. So at MassDOT and other agencies that um, are instrumental in paying for improvements to help communities build the infrastructure and um, the way that those 
um, entities sort of think about the transportation network, I think, has helped move us um, much more quickly, more recently. Um, as Carolyn said, you know, I, I think we're grateful for people who had vision, particularly at a time when I think we were still building communities with a car focus, right? And we were still building out neighborhoods um, that didn't have infrastructure for bike and ped. And so that, you know, we started to kind of look at how we could um, correct that and then change how we do things relatively early on, you know, or um, long enough in the past that we've been able to really make huge headway here, I think, is, is remarkable and just a testament to people's vision that um, came before us. When was the rail trail built? From the one from like Stop and Shop to Look Park? No? Well, okay, so, I'm just, so. I, I can't give you exact, that's the, that's the thing, that's the piece that's about 40 years old now, I think yeah. it's 42 years, so I have to do the math, I don't have the date in my head, but I can certainly. Yeah, someone, someone told me that when that was built, George, George Androkitis, who was head of the DPW at the time, he built it like a super highway, and that's why it's still like as solid as it is, because he was like a real roads man, as right. I understand it. Right. <laughs> well, but part of that, to sort of speak to that, is um, that sometimes creates conflict now when we think about it is the, there was a concerted effort to clear trees far enough away from the rail. Well, it was also a rail bed. So I think that made, I mean, it had that foundation of a rail bed to yeah. make it sort of a solid surface. But by clearing trees further away meant that there wouldn't be as much root intrusion. And there have been communities and there have been some bike paths, even the newer ones in Northampton where the roots are popping up through the surface now and they're much newer but it's because um, you know we sometimes come into especially in this community conflict with tree removal exactly but if you do it at the outset I mean this is an example of where the sort of the thought process about making sure that we had enough you know shoulder width with no trees that helped this path last as long as it has because we didn't have all of that root intrusion mm -hmm. There's also a plan, I can't remember the exact details, but um, I remember hearing Wayne Clyden say something about the city's idea to have a certain percentage of the population within a, a certain distance of a multi-use path. Do you know, yeah. Carolyn, exactly what that number yeah, is? Yeah, I mean, so um, there's been, um, you know, we already have, um, you know, about 40% of the population within, I think it's about half mile of a, of a shared use path. But we want to expand that. And one of the things that we're working on now is trying to sort of retrofit and reach those neighborhoods that were built in the time where we weren't thinking about providing, um, where there was that movement outward and away from, you know, the core downtown. And, and so it was focused on road construction without those resources of uh, pedestrian and bicycle facilities. And so essentially now those neighborhoods are stuck, if you will, yeah. with only being able to access other places via car. So now we're looking at how do we expand it even away from the sort of more um, dense or urban core to reach those neighborhoods that don't have any alternatives. So, you know, the Rocky Hole Greenway um, project will connect up through some of those, so the um, co-housing projects and over to Florence Road and across Florence Road, and we've just done the Burt's Pit um, connector essentially is a piece of that puzzle to try to create that system for those neighborhoods that are further out. Um, 
all these neighborhoods are connected with a lot of asphalt and so there's plenty of biking space. Mm -hmm. It's just not often designed to slow traffic um, or, yeah, it's not often designed to slow traffic. It's often designed to facilitate motorized traffic. So any thoughts on how we can make it the roads that we already do have more bike friendly? Well, I mean, some of the, the things that we've done around complete streets where we are, you know, we are trying to, when we're redoing streets, we're trying to build in infrastructure that, that wasn't there before. So build in, um, you know, a dedicated bike lane or more space for bikes. And we, um, you know, we have a traffic calming procedure or, um, that we have through the Transportation and Parking Commission that is, as Carolyn said, looking to find sort of the, the pinch points or the trouble spots and then figure out how to retrofit them or do calming there to make those, those locations safer. Um, yeah, I really appreciate some of the stuff that's been done on King Street. Is that DOT or is that City of, North, City of Northampton stuff? How are those things King Street's DOT. Well, it's DOT funded, so it's still okay. within the city street network. So with the way that, the way that um, these projects work um, is that the city is um, responsible for paying for design, and then once the design, if it goes through the TIP process, the Transportation Improvement um, Planning and Programming process, then city pays for the design, but then DOT oversees all the construction and pays for all the construction through the regional TIP process. So that's an example of the city got the design done and ready to go when we were eligible through that regional TIP approval process. And then MassDOT comes in and, and pays for it and oversees the construction of it. So was there any pushback for, from like motorists to narrow that from four lanes to two in that stretch? I don't recall a concerted, you know, effort or concern by people narrowing. I mean, the, the data is, so we had tried to sort of get, look at narrowing um, the lanes maybe 10, 15 years ago. And um, I think at the time when we had, I can't remember the design team looked at it, it was, you know, they were a little bit leery of narrowing the traffic lanes so that we could create more space for um, separated bicycle and pedestrian facility there. And then, so it sort of got, the idea got sort of got shelved, and then we came back to it a few years later, but all the engineering sort of standards had changed in that time and said, well, of course, with this much volume, you can have a, you can have 10-foot lanes instead of 11-foot lanes or whatever the, the transition was. So that's when, that sort of goes back to the, my reference to how there's been a bit of a sea change at MassDOT, mm -hmm. meaning the engineering standards have changed because it's based on data. And so I think, just going to your question then, it is, um, we, there was solid engineering data to show the, the same volume of cars could be accommodated in a narrower space, and then we weren't going to lose that. But the other key thing was defining those lanes, so creating that left turn um, pocket onto, nor you know, onto north if you're going southbound, mm -hmm. and um, realigning that, that troubled intersection with north-south and, wait, did I get this right? Summer, Summer. north yeah. and, um, <laughs> and um, King Street. And so I think the corrections at the intersection and 
better definition of where cars should be pulling into the appropriate portion of the lane. Um, all of that combined, I think on the ground now works, but I think that may have also been the beneficial t information for people as we are sort of shopping the 75, 100% plans to say, look, this is gonna improve the traffic flow just with these intersection alignments and uh, realignments and things. Actually, actually, there's one thing about that intersection that's really hard for cyclists, like if you're coming from North Market and you're, if you're coming mm -hmm. from North Market headed towards King, mm -hmm. and you're going up, after you go underneath the railroad tracks and you're headed up towards King Street and the road narrows a lot, mm -hmm. so there's only room for like one mm -hmm. like a car kind of vehicle. Yeah. There's not even room for like a car and a cyclist. Yeah. And the way it narrows, so that means like as a cyclist, you kind of have to take the lane coming up towards that intersection. And because you're going up, you're it's usually going pretty slow, uh, so motorists can get sort of backlogged behind you till you get to that point whereas before it was wider so there was room for a motorist to sit there and a cyclist to, to, be next to, 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 to go up there um, yeah I don't know if there's any way around that but at the same time they're probably going all the motors are likely going slower oh, because yeah, yeah. there's a narrower space and there's more yeah. concern so maybe yeah. it's I mean I, I think the concept is maybe it's okay to share that space yeah. because every because the vehicles are going slower and there's less visual confusion there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just anecdotal, but since I do live right by there, I feel so much safer biking there myself and, or my kids. So, you know, mm -hmm. this has been a huge change for our family that that was, I would be terrified if they were going to cross King Street there. Yeah, and right. and yeah. we wouldn't let them do it on their own. And um, they're now older, and so they're, they're, it's multifactorial. But um, that's, I feel just much safer, and I feel like that neighborhood feels safer about being able to cross over on bike to get to the yeah. rail trail or, you know, even to go yeah. to school. Yeah. yeah. And even at the King and Finn intersection, the pedestrian cycle there is, was so needed, and, mm -hmm. and that was a really dangerous place for pedestrians to cross as mm -hmm. well. And so now having that signal for just the neighborhoods, you know, we're disconnected because of King Street, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of pedestrian crossing, just from one neighborhood to the other. But now with those changes, I think that really opens up those. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's some streets like Pine, Meadow, Spring, that seems like they're being redesigned, or this, it seems like they're becoming like high-speed motorist sort of streets that are just sort of like straight and kind of wide and, and, and all that. Do you have any thoughts on how to make those kinds of streets, to slow down traffic on those kinds of streets? Well, there was work that was done by Pine, right? Um, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. The, I don't think they're becoming wider, I think they were paved. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the potholes it's were gone. Smoother. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so then that has generated, you know, requests for traffic calming um, mm -hmm. analysis on those uh, newly smoothed roads. Yeah. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. I mean, but that's been an issue for years. You know, people want their street paved and then all of a sudden yeah. it's paved. <laughs> it's like, wait, yeah. everybody's driving really fast. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I am. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie Wardring. You're listening to an interview with Mayor Gina Louise Shera and Carolyn Mish, head of the planning department for Northampton 
that question I asked about the streets or them being widened or something. Ah, I got, I definitely, I got that wrong. I, th I, that was a question that someone else had asked me to ask, but I asked the wrong thing. The question was really supposed to be, why aren't we narrowing these streets when they're being repaved and redone? <laughs> um, my friend who asked me to ask that question knew that the streets were not becoming wider. Anyway, um, I've got another, the other half of that interview coming up, and I think I'll have it come up like now as soon as I can click the right button. Um, yes. Any other announcements? Um, uh, Democracy Now! comes on at 5 o'clock. All right. Where's my next file? There's a new system on the computer here where iTunes is different than I'm used to it. All right. Here we go. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess you sorry, call it stop, your so this interview is also with Nick Richard from Bike Talk, who does Bike Talk that airs here on Valley Free Radio Sundays at 11, I believe. ...over the Narwadic Trail. Sorry, let me start that from the very beginning, because it's just a hack, hack job. Because your, I guess you call it your spine over the Narwadic Trail, is just like Ruthie described it as being like a, a tree tunnel, you know, mm. and then it comes, it goes over this railroad track over the Connecticut River and then it goes through farmland and then it actually takes you places where you need to go mm -hmm. so like you really for a lot of people I think almost you don't need a car for your daily business if you live anywhere near in biking distance of this spine mm -hmm. but I'm wondering you know do you have the people are so locked into this idea of, of, of car centricity, you know, they're, they're so dependent, car, people are just in general so car dependent, that we don't see po the possibilities of like a truly great uh, non-car town, mm -hmm. you know? Like, do you have, are you inspired by somebody like Anne Hidalgo, you know, being the mayor of Northampton, mm -hmm. who would transform a place like Northampton to, to um, into, a place where you know you could be a great bike city yeah I absolutely and I think you know as we've said we have well you said use the sort of the spine analogy and um, I'm trying to figure out how to use that to kind of talk about you know not just there's a spine but we also are trying to then expand out to other limbs and um, <laughs> yeah, I know I might be I might be torturing this a little bit but um, <laughs> But uh, we were talking earlier about um, one Northampton, or Northampton One, yeah. that is um, looking to have a path all the way around the perimeter of the city, so to circumnavigate the city. So, so maybe a spider web is better. I don't know, that you would have something that goes around the city, but then all these ways to then kind of centralize and maybe then get to that rail trail. But that, you know, as we were saying, trying to connect to these neighborhoods that, don't that weren't built with that kind of idea in mind, so if we can create all of these sort of networks that finger out through the city and connect around towards the perimeter, and then, as you said, go in a different direction. So we also are expanding into Hatfield, and you can take it to East Hampton. You can go over the bridge and go to Hadley and Amherst, so that you know we are kind of our own controlled uh, network, but that then spreads out into other communities, and that we, you know, we're all kind of one that can get to each other. Is I think the ultimate goal. But I think it's interesting because there's some people in the community that, like you said, they're um, 
might not see the possibilities or understand that because they're more car centric and we're having this conversation around picture Main Street and um, there are some who have said why do we need mm -hmm. separated bike lanes on Main Street we have this beautiful bike path that's around downtown so what's the need um, so I think there but there are very many others who understand and sort of think about it and I love that um, spider web analogy because I think that really gives a good visual for um, what it would mean and what it would take and and how we can make those connections for people to op to be able to opt out of um, their car and but one of the important things is when we're doing a big street um, redesign we need to think about how does that connect to the spider web mm -hmm. you know what is it and is it not it's not just about having one you know path that's in Northampton you talked about picture Main Street yeah oh we didn't talk about picture Main Street not yet oh let's do it yeah picture Main Street what's the what's the picture <laughs> so Picture Main Street is a redesign of our Main Street um, that is uh, a, a mass-stop project and it's scheduled to break ground in 2025. Um, so it, it is a massive redesign of Main Street. So we have a very beautiful but a very wide Main Street. And um, MassDOT has identified it as a priority because of safety concerns. Um, and we have identified it as a priority because this is a once-in-a- hundred-year opportunity to really take back some of that street and make it available for people. So we've been uh, enjoying um, outdoor dining for the last three years and sort of seeing how much people really do want to utilize that public space in a different way. Um, and so the design is going to have more trees, we'll have a, a, a much more full tree canopy for people, um, is going to have wider sidewalks, um, we'll have we will take that outdoor dining that we've we've used some parking for now and we will solidify it onto sidewalks and and just have more space for people have more places for people to sit and be and just use that space in a different way um, so it's and we very importantly we have bike path we have bike lanes that are built into these designs so as Carolyn was saying yes the bike path is near Main Street but we know that there are a lot of people who bike directly to Maine and or go or this is how they travel is is down Main Street so we're incorporating um, bike path bike lanes into both sides so that um, there's a safe way to, to travel through Main Street by bike as well and, and there's a lot of research about bikes and business that I'm sure you run across that you know that goes against a lot of uh, a lot of people's intuitions about you know only people in cars pay for things um, but you say it's a once in how long opportunity and what's well I say that because I I've asked you know I, I asked uh, Forbes library and historic Northampton to find me images of Main Street from the past and and I've seen images from well over 100 years ago that look really very close to what we have now so there's not been any real significant change to Main Street in over a hundred years and so for me as mayor, it's really important to, to take charge of this opportunity and, and really view it as something that not only is about making changes that um, reflect where we are 
right now as a community, but uh, it weighs heavy on me that I'm, I'm making decisions that will impact generations to come. And so I want to make really smart decisions that are for people. Cars are changing. You know, how we use cars is changing. Um, and you know, we, we know what cars have done to our world. So um, it's really important to me that we make good choices and we don't just, we don't just recommit to what there has been there because it's what we know, but we have to be forward thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and, and we didn't have cars and we didn't have faster and faster and faster cars 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about changing the infrastructure, but also thinking about what downtown is for the community and the economy and um, making it an inviting space for all users. Um, and I think it, the other piece of it is all of this costs a lot of money. So if you're going to make a change, it's going to be a lot of money. So you're not going to want to, in 10 years, tweak it a little bit more and a little bit more. So that's mm -hmm. the sort of once in a, like you have one shot for a while <laughs> to make, you know, um, a positive change mm -hmm. that um, is really uh, can will represent what the community members want, but also um, uh, provides opportunity for future. Is this the infrastructure bill, the act? That the money is here because of? No, this is this has been in the works for how many years now? <laughs> Was the first a glimmer? Uh, yeah, I mean, so this conversation started. You know, maybe early 2000s. What you know? What are we going to do with the South Street intersection? You know, Southwest State Street intersection, and and then what about? So over time, we sort of analyzed what could be done with Main Street, and and then really that sort of um, pushed into more detailed designs as we came through the 2010 to 2020, and then in 2018. We started this TIP process, I mentioned it, that's sort of the standard way to um, get funding for um, um, big um, infrastructure projects like this. So it's a transportation improvement program project, but it's also, it's based very much on the fact that there are, um, unfortunately, there are very high um, rates of um, crash incidences on Main Street, and so it registers very high on them across the Commonwealth for um, um, dangerous intersections, dangerous conflict points. So that is what's elevated it to a point where it's higher up on on the TIP program. But again, so the city is on the hook for paying for the design. So we started that in 2018, sort of um, with a hiring a consultant, and then it's taken us to. The, it takes that long, you know, to design. But we had some little setbacks with the pandemic. Um, but it will be, ultimately, it's still a transportation-funded project that comes through MassDOT with federal highway money. So it's not new money that's been allocated from Congress. It's sort of a typical um, funding process. Typical. Typical. Yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. <laughs> so when I think about barriers to Northampton being a less car-centric place, um, there's the physical barriers, like, well, when I say physical, I mean the street design barriers and safety and perceived safety. There's also barriers of how, like, a lot of people, or there are people in power who want to keep the status quo. For example, when I think of King Street, I think of 
Ford of Northampton, Leah Honda, Berg Chevrolet, Tommy Car Group, all these car dealerships that own all this land and have all this money in tied up in the in making Northampton a car dependent um, place. And then like you know, the auto repair shops, the gas stations, the paving contractors, on and on. Um, so it's just like who really has the power? And I'm also thinking of a conversation I had this morning. I was emptying the downtown trash barrels this morning doing pedal people, and there was a guy sitting in front of um, Bueno Wisano, and he said, I really like seeing you on your bike. When I was in the Marines in 1983, the higher ups were all saying how, yeah, we're gonna go invade the Middle East for oil. We need that oil. And so it's really nice to see that. So that but that whole like, you know, that whole the economy, all those power, people in power that are telling us to be car centric. Mm -hmm. Like who really has the power here? How 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 I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that. The dynamic. Like, yeah. It's like how much can the city do with making changing street designs and making it more appealing for people to bike? when you've got this whole, we're being like bombarded, like this whole like Northampton cars. Living Magazine. Yeah, this Northampton Living Magazine, a friend of mine was saying, a coworker, it, gets, it comes to my house every day and it's a big ad for a Ford of Northampton. Mm -hmm. Or not every day, it comes to my house unsolicited and, and it's this big ad for Ford of Northampton on it. But anyway. Good deep. Yeah, I mean, I would say, there, yes, of course there is, there's just this global industry behind that, but um, I, I feel like the earth has, is sending us the message that, and certainly a lot of people in Northampton are receiving it, that that's, we have, this is not what we have to do anymore. Like we have to change and we have to um, live our lives in a different way, otherwise we won't be here any longer on this planet. So, you know, I think um, maybe it, it, it takes that kind of wake up call, but um, yes, there is still massive industry, but um, I think a lot more people are, are recognizing that uh, we have to make big changes across the board in, um, obviously in, in giant industry, but even just locally in our own homes and our lives. I mean, I, I think we, I think it's important to create these opportunities for people to feel like they're not forced to be in their car. So. People made a choice, and we want to continue to have people have choice for where they live. And so, if they want to live further out, um, that's a choice that they make that will likely require that they have a vehicle of some kind. We can provide the opportunities for them not to use their vehicle for every trip, but I think that we know that that choice will still be there, and as a capitalist you know society people will want to continue to have choice about how they move around and so I think there will be cars for a very long time the, you know the issue will be is it a gas or electric car even electric cars have you know implications and impacts on you know the are um, have carbon impacts and and um, extractive technology um, awful things, you know, and happening. Safety. And safety. And safety. Um, so I don't know that we're necessarily going to move the needle or that the goal is to move the needle for people to entirely drop their cars. Because we also have an economy in Western Mass that doesn't allow people to have jobs where they live. 
and they have to go far afield and for housing, work. Affordable housing. And affordable housing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and public the, transportation. And the public transportation doesn't connect mm -hmm. those dots either. And so, and we're a low density region relative to other regions, so we can't have the mass transit that is um, in other places like Chicago and Boston. So I think whether some people like it or not, we the car will still be with us, but it's really important to make sure that we're creating opportunities for people not to use the car mm -hmm. to the extent that we can. Yeah, but, well, look at, sorry, look at Mad Max. I mean, it was all about cars, you know? And there was no car advertising industry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the lowering the city speed limit to twenty-five. Mm -hmm. Can you tell about that? Anything more to say about that? No. I mean, so this was a, something that the state um, created this opportunity for communities to be able to do that, and so that has just uh, recently gone through the city council, um, and. Uh, we're hopeful that it's going to have some sort of positive impact. Um, you know, kind of talking about when a, uh, when a road's paved, just newly been paved, and um, what it's like before then, right? Like people, people drive often at the speed that they feel like they can drive. So um, I think there has to be sort of a, a public understanding and agreement that you need to drive at 25 miles per hour, right? Because um, it, unless we put imp you know impediments in people's way, they're gonna go. Yeah. So, but I'm hopeful that people will will take notice and will slow down. And and to um, make sure people understand, it's not for every street. Right. It's only for those that were not that are not already previously regulated by speed. So all the streets now that have a speed limit sign, if it's 30, 40, those speed limits are not changing. It's really only for segments that were not previously regulated by um, that. So it's so that's going to be confusing for people about mm -hmm. how. And so that goes back to the physical layout of a road. If we really want people to go a certain speed throughout, you know, whether or not it's posted 30, if the street is narrow enough, they can't go 30. So ultimately, I think it's really about the street layout that's going to um, slow traffic, unfortunately, mm -hmm. or other physical impediments <laughs> to speed. I often think of pedal people as doing live traffic calming. <laughs> you do. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you all both so much for your work. You're welcome. Thank you. Friendly. Thank you for yours too. Yeah. We're just carrying on the legacy that began before both of our. Mm. <laughs> tenure so but it's important i think and and that's it thanks for listening to out there that was an interview with mayor gina louise shara and carolyn mish director of planning and sustainability for the city of northampton i'm ruthie woodring uh stay tuned for democracy now coming up at five o'clock on out there oh there were a couple of things that were said that i was listening to when i was listening to that clip one about people choosing to live farther out and I just wanted to mention the economic pressures involved and where people choose to live also um, thinking about what they're saying about you know like the earth is telling us that we need to change our ways 
And I was thinking about what I was saying about how the car industry has all this power. Well, when some things collapse or if there's no gas or no electricity or the grid doesn't working, there's a good chance that bicycles will still be working. And now a word from Harry Chapin Carpenter. No, Harry Chapin. That was Mary Chapin Carpenter. Uh, Harry Chapin. And what else? Announcements. Um, so we'll be Bike Lab tomorrow, Saturday. Also, Thursday evenings in Florence, the Florence Summer Concert Series, every Thursday from 6.30 to 8 p.m. in front of the Florence Civic Center. This Thursday, this coming next Thursday, August 17th, is the Stomp Box Trio. A child arrived just the other day He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew he'd say I'm gonna be like you Dad, you know I'm gonna be like you And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then Son turned ten just the other day He said, thanks for the ball, Dad, come on, let's play Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today I got a lot to do He said, that's okay And he walked away, but his smile never did It said, I'm gonna be like him, yeah You know I'm gonna be like him And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the Coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then Well, he came from college just the other day So much like a man I just had to say Son, I'm proud of you Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys See you later, can I have them, please? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know
as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. Dad, we're gonna have a good time there. Thanks again for listening to Out There Today. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! You want to learn to fix your bike? How to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it? Or maybe you know already, but you just need to borrow a bike-specific tool that you don't have. Well, come to the Bike Lab. Almost every Saturday since 2004. 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Here in Northampton at 12 Northern Avenue. Come with your bike or your questions. And your willing attitude. Spare part scavenger hunt every weekend. Vengan al Bike Lab de Northampton, el taller de bicicleta. Aprende a arreglar tu bicicleta y a divertirte. All repairs guaranteed to the end of the driveway. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. Get my hand.